It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is A to Z with Mark Zinno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I tell you by any means necessary. Welcome in. We are live here on this Thursday, inching ever closer to the end of the week. We've got a lot to do. We'll recap the Hawks game from last night. Look forward to what is a huge weekend in college football. And why am I a man on an island once again? wondering about the Atlanta Falcons. We'll dive into all that coming up today on the show. Make sure you guys give us a follow on Twitter at LockedOnATL. I'm at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Don't forget, we're on Roku TV on that Amazon Fire Stick. However, you get Roku TV, download that app, and listen to all the great shows here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. We appreciate all the love and support. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Give a thumbs up and a like to all the content there as well. All right. Uh, Hawks last night defeat the Detroit Pistons. By a final of 118 to 113, you know, and it's one of those games where if you watched it, you didn't necessarily appreciate what the box score shows at the end and vice versa. If you looked at the box score, you would have felt like this was a a game that the Hawks, you'd like to see them play more often. But at times going through it, it didn't always look as pretty. Um, There were some defensive lapses last night that you'd not like to see. Um, I still tell you, Trey Young is not shooting his best. Uh, so th- there are some ways to improve. But when you dissect this whole thing, in short, you get a 35-point night from Trey Young, which is always good. But still, Trey is, was 9 for 21 from the field. You know, it was the first time this season in four games he shot better than 40%. Um, and on the year, he's only shooting 34%. That's not good. Like, that, Trey can't live in that 34% range. Over the course of a long season, that's going to end up being more negative than positive. So Trey has got to get his legs underneath him. Now, some of it is because maybe he doesn't have the ball in his hands as much, and he's more comfortable, and he shoots better when he has the ball in his hands. And oh, by the way, in his 35 points last night, Trey was still one for seven from three. This is a guy who's shooting 22.9% from three. Again, that has to change. Um, That has to be better. Now, in the big picture... Does Trey need to be at the 37, 38% that he always is? Maybe not. Or maybe if he is, he's not shooting as many threes as he did last year. This is what you're trying to figure out with this Hawks offense and what it looks like. And we're still going to need to see a couple more iterations of things um, from the Hawks to in order to figure out what the offense is going to be. Because I think they're still working through that. Um, so let's see how Trey continues to develop in this offense and what he continues to do, because here's my biggest concern, and here's my biggest fear when it comes to the Hawks and Trey. And I don't think I'm wrong for assuming this until we see otherwise. Trey is the star. Stars call the shots. Stars make decisions in NBA and basketball that they don't get to make in other sports. If Trey is continuing to struggle, and the Hawks are mediocre, Trey may lean on Nate McMillan and go, I want the ball more. Give me the ball. It's my team. I'm going to I'm gonna control this offense. And he may take over at the benefit of his own stats and his own emotions and his own feelings being better than necessarily the team being better. 
I think that's a fair thing to assume could happen. Not saying it will. I think you say it could happen if Trey continues to shoot at the clip that he's at uh, and perform the clip that he's at. The only reason he had 35 last night, because he made 16 to 17 free throws. I mean, that's that's what it boils down to. Nine of 21 and one for seven from three is not going to get it done uh, on a night-in, night-out basis, right? So uh, let's see how Trey continues to welcome the changes in the offense. Speaking of changes, Deontay Murray, this is the kind of typical stat line you'd like to see, although you'd like to see better shooting than five from 18. But he has 14 points. He's got eight rebounds. He's got eight assists. He's got two blocks. He's got two steals. Like, all across the stat line, that's just what you want to see from Deontay. Just be a complete player night in and night out. Some nights he might be better in the assist category. Some nights he might be better in the point category. You know, he chips in with eight rebounds. I mean, you know, all of that, I think, matters uh, for this Hawks team. As they out-rebounded last night, Detroit 46-40. to Deontay's a big part of that. I've been I'm telling you, keeping a close eye on DeAndre Hunter. He has 17 points last night. Don't really care about the rebounds. Don't really care about the assists. That 17 points is where he needs to live. Seven of 10 shooting, two of three from deep. Those are the nights you need to see from DeAndre routinely. Because again, I can make it as simple as if DeAndre only has 12, like he did against the Hornets, well, they're in overtime in this game and might lose. It's a five-point win. Take five points away from DeAndre Hunter, what do you get? Okay. Now, it's not that simple, but it is that simple, if you get my point. That's why DeAndre needs to be averaging in the 20, in the 17 range, 17-18 range, as opposed to the 12-13 range. Those four points every night are going to be massively huge. John Collins was exactly what you want. 19 points, 11 rebounds, do your thing, John. That's the reason why... You know, you got the contract you did. That's the reason why people wanted you here, even though the front office speculated like they didn't want you here. And this is the kind of night you get from him. He's a big reason why they won, especially on the defensive end with the rebounds and four blocks. And then finally, Clint Capella. Scoring is not there for Clint. Ten rebounds, just six points, but he's plus 22. So is Capella going to be happy not being a contributor on the offensive end? Hard to know. Hard to know at this point in time. But defensively, he was what they needed last night. And in a team that had defensive lapses last night, um, it's it's guys like Clint Capella that really carry you on their back. Because, again, we're focusing so much on the offense with this team right now, as I just did for the last five minutes. We need to focus a little bit more on the defensive end because ultimately that's going to decide whether they can get into being a top-four seed in the Eastern Conference if they play better defense. That's ultimately what this all boils down to. Because we saw last year, their offense could be top five in the league. And guess what? You're still going to be in the playing tournament because you can't stop anybody. But there's a lot to figure out. Um, I I think that, you know, Nate McMillan is still trying to work through his rotation. Um, I think he's still trying to figure out, you know, exactly uh, the guys that he needs and the moments that he needs them for situational basketball. Uh, and particularly situational basketball on the defensive end. But we'll continue to monitor what Trey does with the ball and without the ball. We'll continue to look at the ways that this team is going to figure itself offensively. And let me tell you, it's going to be interesting because, again, they play the Pistons on Friday. So it's not the back-to-back. You get that split back-to-back with a, with a day off in between. Thank you, NBA Collective Bargaining Agreement and the Players Union for complaining about back-to-backs. Um, but the point simply is, Let's see what sort of adjustments they make. 
right? Let's see what sort of changes they make. Let's see how they react. I mean, the Pistons will make adjustments because they just played the Hawks as well. What sort of adjustment are the Hawks going to make both offensively and defensively? I'd love to know what Friday night's game is going to play out like um, for Trey, for Deontay Murray, for the offense, and see if they don't have the same defensive lapses, right? Now, again, Trey and Deontay are both playing about, what, 38 minutes a night? Like, for the season, Trey is averaging 30, almost 36, 37 minutes. I'm sure Deontay's in the same range. That's a lot of minutes for those two on the floor, which is good. But the question is, is it taxing minutes? Because 38, 37 minutes for Trey last year when he was doing all the work, those are taxing minutes. When you're splitting some of that load, maybe not as physically wearing you down as much as it used to in the past. So there's that. But it's going to be interesting to see how things go on Friday night when they have to play the same team again and how they react to it. All right, coming up, uh, I want to get into uh, the college football landscape in a big weekend uh, that could decide a lot as it pertains to the college football playoffs because we are just, what, five days away from screaming about college football playoff rankings. First, a word from our friends at betonline.net. Fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs, find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. you got Thursday night football tonight. Guys, this line is flipped. Tampa Bay was a one-point dog at home. Now they're a one-and-a-half-point favorite. What do I always tell you? Follow the money. That flip is important. Watch what happens here on Thursday night. Find reviews and news of every league. Just told you about the NFL World Series starting on Friday. Obviously, you got... Uh, college football, more NFL coverage, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, even golf. It's all right there. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information. Live in game betting scores, podcasts, they've got you covered. The podcasts are awesome. You get so much great information from their podcast hosts. Head to Bet Online today and use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. Okie dokie. Okay, big weekend in college football uh, with a lot going on. And I am going to be so curious to see how this weekend plays out. First, like we talked about Georgia, Florida yesterday, guys, I, I, I don't, I know good friends of mine and people I respect in the gambling industry who have Florida covering the 22 and a half. I don't, I, I just don't. Anthony Richardson for all the things that he can do well, can do them well against bad defense. He's not doing it against a good one. He's a limited quarterback against a good defense. Um, Florida needs to get to 17 to cover this number because Georgia is going to get to 44, 45, right? That's 24. 17 and 24 is 41. So Georgia's going to get in that range. But if Florida doesn't get to 17, they, they can't come close to even covering this game, let alone winning it. So that said, um, Georgia, Florida will take care of itself. Tennessee is in a in a interesting spot here, um, and and believe it or not, guys, I, I I think Tennessee, if they take a loss, is still most likely to be the team on the outside looking in, um, because Tennessee, if they don't beat Georgia outright, um, Tennessee then becomes a Georgia fan when it comes to winning the SEC. Because if Bama beats Georgia, Georgia and Bama will get in, and Tennessee will be on the outside looking in. Um, 
But Tennessee, if they lose to Georgia, there's no reason that they should get in the college football playoff over an undefeated conference champion. I don't care whether it's Clemson or TCU or the winner of Michigan-Ohio State. I can't back Tennessee's defense as college football playoff worthy. I just can't. I'm not going to get enamored with all the offense because guess what? Um, when you get to the college football playoff, all that stuff goes away because you're playing, you know, the best defenses in the country and everything else. And and I, I, I still think Tennessee's going to get got this week by Kentucky. Uh, and I love Kentucky getting the 12 and a half. Absolutely love them getting the 12 and a half. Will Levis was going to find ways to throw all over that defense. If Anthony Richardson could throw for 457 against Tennessee's defense, Will Levis can certainly do the same. Um, but Tennessee, to me, their defense leaves them out. They have to beat Georgia and Bama and, and represent the East. And then even if they lose to Bama again in a rematch in the college football playoff, they'll be in. That's Tennessee's path in. If Tennessee doesn't get to the SEC title game, I don't think they're in, especially with an undefeated Clemson, an undefeated TCU getting in there. Now, Clemson and TCU, if they take losses somewhere, that opens the door for Tennessee. But we're forgetting about one major thing here, and that's the Pac-12. If Oregon runs the table, they are in, period. Oregon is not getting left out with their only defeat at the hands of Georgia. Not happening. Oregon is in. They have the clearest path in the Pac-12 to anybody to make the college football playoff. If USC, whose only losses to Utah, runs the table and gets in, guess what? They're in. Why? Because as much as we hate it that it's a television event, college football playoff is still a television event, and that SC logo and that Trojan as the mascot um, puts eyeballs on TVs for the college football playoff. 100% it does. So I think those are the two teams in the Pac-12 that have a clear path right to where to, to get in. So much so that you could argue that both of those teams have played definitively tougher schedules than Clemson. And they have. They absolutely have. So if you're putting Clemson in at, eight, at undefeated, 12-0 Clemson, 13-0 Clemson getting in, a one-loss USC or one-loss Oregon, who both are on a collision course for the Pac-12 title game, um, will absolutely get there. USC has one more big test in the road, and that's UCLA. Oregon has nothing other than Utah. Um, until the fight, and I, I think it's Utah the second to last week of this, the, the regular season. But again, as long long as both, yeah, it is, and, and they host Utah this year. It's not in Salt Lake City. Um, both of those teams have everything in front of them. USC wins out, Oregon wins out. They are in. The winner of Ohio State, Michigan, gets in. That's two to me. Winner of the SEC gets in. That's three. Is Clemson the fourth? <clears throat> Again, we've seen this time in and time out, guys. There's still a lot of weeks left, five weeks, including this week, left in the regular season for college football. A lot of this stuff takes care of itself. A lot of this stuff takes care of itself. Again, Kentucky losing this week. I'm sorry, Tennessee, rather, losing this week. Kentucky beats them, they're out. They're done. It's over. You don't have to have the conversation anymore. You know, you just you genuinely just don't. Um, so there's that. Again, if Oregon or USC loses one more game before the Pac-12 title game, they're out. Because a two-loss conference champ is not going to get in. Not this year. It's not going to happen. Unless chaos happens and Michigan and Ohio State both lose before they face each other. You know, it's not going to happen. 
because Clemson likely is not going to lose again. They, they, they're just not. I mean, Notre Dame, Louisville, Miami, and oh, oh by the way, they got to play Notre Dame. Not this week. They have a bye, obviously. Um, but next week they go to Notre Dame. Louisville, Miami, and South Carolina are all in Death Valley. So it is what it is. They're not going to lose. And then whoever they beat on the other side of the bracket, again, in the ACC title game, I mean, Georgia Tech's not there, but I forget who it is. It might be, I don't know who it is. I'm not even paying attention to the ACC standings. Do you want me to look real quick? I I guess I should look in the interest of pretending like I know what I'm talking about. Um, Yeah, North Carolina right now in the lead. They've got a two-game lead on Georgia Tech, Duke, and and Pitt. So uh, they'll play North Carolina and beat the snot out of them. So anyway. I think that's how the college football landscape sort of shakes out. And oh, by the way, I keep leaving out TCU uh, as a possibility because if you end up with an undefeated TCU and an undefeated Clemson as the fourth spot, well, it goes to TCU over Clemson. They've played a tougher schedule. They just have. They flat out have played a tougher schedule. So TCU would get the nod. So you get SEC champ, you get Big Ten champ, You get Pac-12 champ as long as it's one loss and it's Oregon or USC. And then you get either TCU if they're undefeated or Clemson if if TCU is not undefeated. That's your college football playoff. Very, very simple. Glad I broke that down for you guys. All right, coming up next, I'm a man on an island once again with one of my takes. I know you're all wildly surprised that I would be thinking something that nobody else is. Uh, That said, I would tell you that – I don't think I'm wrong on this one. First, the word from our friends at Built Bar. If you guys haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you're depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. You know, I had to go to traffic court yesterday, which is always a blessing. You know what I took with me as my snack? A Built Bar. Why? It's delicious. It's got 15 grams of protein. It's only 160 calories, and it will hold you over until your next meal. That's why Built Bar Puffs are fantastic. The greatest new flavor out there, cookie dough chunk. It's got real chunks of cookie dough in it, folks. Yes. If you're a sucker for cookie dough, you're going to love Built Bar Puffs Cookie Dough Chunk covered in 100% real chocolate. It's the perfect snack on the go in between meals. Late at night before you go to bed, if you're just fiending for something sweet, you got that grumble in your stomach, Built Bar Puffs are the way to go. Cookie Dough Chunk, best flavor out there. Here's what you do. You go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON15 and get 15% off your first order. Get that box for yourself. Hide it away from the kids. Share it with the family or take it to work with you. Stuff it in the desk when you need a treat and you're in the office, it's the perfect place to go. Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON15. Get 15% off your first order. All right. Uh, Atlanta Falcons. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's interesting because uh, we keep seeing deals being made. The latest one now, the Philadelphia Eagles continue to push their chips to the center of the table. They get the Bears defensive end, Robert Quinn for a fourth-round pick. Um, Gee, you know, the Falcons have a fourth-round pick next year. No, I get it. Robert Quinn is up there in age. He's 30 years old. Um, You know, he he might be on the downslope of his career. Um, You know, he's got a five-year, $70 million deal that he's in the middle of. But, you know, the Eagles sit there and go, okay, this guy can make our – you know, team better and help us win. Now the Eagles are six and zero, and they have a shot to do something legitimate. At least they feel at this point in time. So they're completely in a different position. I'm not. I'm not debating that at all. 
But let me ask you, why shouldn't the Falcons um, be buyers at this deadline? Like, explain to me why the Falcons have to stand pat and just, you know, deal with what is um, and not look to get better. You know, I mean, they legitimately can win this division. They legitimately can make the playoffs. Why not try and get better now and in the postseason? I don't know. Makes a ton of sense to me. Like, I would try to get better now and for the postseason and for the future. There are names out there that absolutely could do that. Accumulate talent. Like, I'm not opposed to giving away a fourth-round pick or a third-round pick for something that is under contract that can be part of your team for the next two years at least and makes you better. Just acquire talent. Bill Belichick has always been a master at this. That's why his teams are always competitive because he just acquires talent. Outside of the fact he's a great coach, he just acquires talent, right? Acquire talent. Just get better at it. I mean, you know, with the Falcons in the position that they're in, I've seen a bunch of names bandied about. And one of them that interested me, and this came from Cody Benjamin to CBSSports.com, but trade for the Raiders defensive end, Cleland Farrell, former first rounder, under contract, will help your defense, get you better in the pass rush department, and maybe a change of scenery helps you out. Like, what's not, what's not to like about that uh, for this team? Why does why does that seem so far? And why can't they be buyers? You know, aggressive GMs win more than they lose. Aggressive GMs end up becoming more of a a, a team or a, a organization that wins than they lose. Like, here's the thing, okay? And oh, by the way, I'm just looking at Cleveland Farrell's contract. You know, he's a, he's a free agent after this year because they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. Um, so you'd have to re-sign him. So the only upside of that is that you give away less for a guy. Would the Raiders take a fifth-round pick for him? I mean, I, I just I, I don't get the notion of standing pat. If you have a chance to do something and you have a chance to be better and you have a chance to make your team better now and in the future, why not do it? For me, it's like a no-brainer. I just like aggressive GMs. I told you that repeatedly. They have all the cap room in the world next year. They've got to get better at multiple positions. Now, the argument is, you know, you know, we could stand pat, still make the playoffs where we are, and sign Cleveland Farrell next year. You could. You could. Would you pay more for him in free agency than that? No, not necessarily. You keep the draft capital. I suppose there's an argument for that, but... You know, for me, it's just, I don't know. I don't think there's any reason to sit there and stand pat or be sellers when you have a chance to go get to the postseason. Get better. If you give Arthur Smith more talent overall on either side of the ball, it's going to be a net positive for this team. Again, just me. All right, we did things a little bit out of order here because, you know, why not? I'm I'm still trying to get my bearings about me after a – a long day yesterday, but I won't leave out shovels of wisdom. 
brace yourselves because it's time for the shovel of wisdom. All right. You know how we do it. Every day we have to get somebody straight for saying or doing something stupid. Do so on my Twitter account at Mark Jenner. Use the hashtag shovel of wisdom. Today my shovel goes to Hal Steinbrenner. Yeah, sorry guys, this one's personal. Hal Steinbrenner came out yesterday, last night, and he's a vote of confidence. Aaron Boone, you need to miss on for next year. God, you jerk. Dear Lord, your father is rolling over in his grave at the fact that you're keeping this guy on. I can't, I, nobody wants to hear me do this, but I just, just please, three seconds, okay? You're not going to win a World Series with Aaron Boone as a manager. He's terrible. He is one of the worst in-game managers in baseball. Case in point. Josh Donaldson has been an automatic out for a month plus, and your dumbass keeps penciling him in the lineup and batting him behind John Carlos Stanton fifth to watch him strike out every single damn at bat. Dear Lord. My old man told me yesterday, we talked to him on the phone, or two days ago, he said, if they bring Boone back, I'm honestly not watching a Yankee game next year. That's how many people want him gone. Hey, you guys want Aaron Boone gone and you won 101 games? I don't care if you win 101 games. I do not care. If you don't win the World Series in Yankee land, you're a loser, period. Braves Braves fans, welcome to that world. If you don't win the World Series every year, you're going to be a loser. That's the world you're entering as Braves fans. I've been in it for the last 25 years, and it sucks. Well, you can't totally say it sucks because they won five World Series, but they haven't won one in over 10 years, and life sucks right now. Rather be a Braves fan. Maybe you guys got any room? Can I jump in? Anybody willing to take me on? Yeah, I don't think so either. <laughs> you had to try, right? All right, uh, that'll do it for us today here on ADZ Football Friday coming up tomorrow. Want to remind you guys and thank you guys for making Locked On Falcons your first listen because Aaron Freeman does an amazing job. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and of course, the take of the day. You know, I'm curious as to why they're not getting my take of the day. They're getting pretty good at it. But Locked On Sports Day podcast, take of the day, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Appreciate you guys joining me here today. Check out all the shows on Locked On ATL, on Roku TV, on the Amazon Fire Stick, wherever you get Roku TV. Of course, on the YouTube channel. Subscribe, like, give the thumbs up to the YouTube channel as well. And check out all the great content wherever you get your podcasts. You just search Locked On Sports Atlanta once again. Thank you guys for joining me here on this Thursday. Back tomorrow for a football Friday. You guys have a wonderful day. Don't take any crap from anybody. See ya. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 